And when you understand that you are an aspect of who you really are, then it begins to make sense. And time and distance doesn't mean anything. And there's no, when you communicate telepathically, there's no limitation. You can connect wherever, it doesn't matter, it's to do with intent. I meant in the universe as well, it's no limit. You know, scientists will say, well, the Andromeda, you know, how many, many thousands, millions or whatever, light years away it is, that that would limit you, but it doesn't. Yeah. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. As always, wonderful to be with you all again. I have the most gorgeous woman to introduce you to, Valerie Barrow. Welcome to the show, Valerie. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've been looking forward to it. She's so gorgeous. I met Valerie around 20 years ago when I was facilitating the Academy of Light with her good friends, Rosemary and John Butterworth, who I noticed is in one of your photographs on I've been watching I've been watching all your videos over the last this morning and last night and there's a photograph you, you say oh these are all people who identify with being star people and there's Rosemary and John in the photograph <laughs> yes, that's right yes definitely they've got stories connected uh, there were a whole lot of people came uh, and being rem- remembered being star people to speak about the same event when that the, which is what that story is all about, about the creation of our, the first humans. That's after, that's a jump, major jump from the animal man that we were, we're all were. So we've held all those DNAs and RNAs and whatever you call them. Well, we're going to get into that today on the show. We're going to talk about the creation theory, how man evolved, uh, which you have uh, written about in your book. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Valerie through her bio and you'll find out more. Valerie Barrow is a star lady. She was not born into an earthly body. There was an agreement with the soul of the body that she would come into the body through a soul exchange which took place in February 1969 after a near-death experience, which I might quiz you about in a minute. Valerie is one of the 144,000 light bearers who volunteered to come to Earth to assist in the upgrade or shift in human consciousness at this time on planet Earth to help Earthlings understand a major evolvement from star beings is taking place on earth along with how we as the first humans were created and our journey into the golden age. Valerie has a couple of books including Alturinga which I think you're most famous for when the first ancestors were created including the French translation which is called Contact with the Palladians and Star Lady, the true story of Valerie and Mr. Dickens on other and other lifetime spent with John Barrow, which includes a book, which used to be a book called Two Soul Makes, Walking Through Time and History, 
and the book of love by a medium. So all those books have been put into one book, which is now called Star Lady. And she's given many talks around the world, sharing the knowledge which she receives from her star mentors. Valerie has been through many initiations over the past 40 years, which she shares in her books. She's been through a so-called abduction experience to find that another layer of consciousness, her light body, has given permission to th for this to occur. She was introduced to her future self from the galaxy of Andromeda M31 and regularly channels messages from the stars. Because she works closely with the ancient creator ancestor called Alcharinga, who is well known to most Indigenous people, she is also on a mission to assist others with knowledge that was first given to the Indigenous people in their dreaming stories. So you, you're, you're a medium and a channel and you channel many beings. Uh, some of them are the cosmic Saibaba, Alcharinga, which is an ancient soul which has been communicating to the Indigenous people. We'll find out about who these people are. Sunat Kumara, Archangel Michael, and Andromeda Val, to name a few. All righty. <laughs> Let me, I've just put this down. It was in one of your videos. Who Alcharinga is? Alcharinga, the ancient creator spirit known to the Indigenous people of Australia, first spoke to you in 1995 when he said more keys would be given, more would follow. The book Alcharinga, when the first ancestors were created, has now been written from a collection of memories from star people who have returned as they promised into the human body. So these are all who these star people are, the people that were here at the beginning of the creation. Right, yes. Uh, there were many, really. Um, I've been advised that they're all back here again <clears throat> in this lifetime, and um, 50,000 of them, actually. Right. It was a major, major change and involvement of our uh, the human race, I'll say. Yeah. And, of course, it's gone on since. There's been more evolution since, but this was yeah. a major uplift from animal man to light man and from with, a soul, with a soul. Animal man to intellectual or intelligent man with a soul. And we're now going through another major shift. Yeah. So they were there for that major shift and then they're back for this major shift as we evolve in our awareness and our consciousness. That's right. yeah. Can I ask you, about the near-death experience and the soul exchange. Can you go into that a little bit? What, what happened? What took place? I've, uh, I was born, the body was born with a problem with a skin disease called psoriasis. And the doctors say, you know, there's no cure, that type of stuff. Uh, however, one doctor at, the at that particular time in 1969, I've got to remember the dates I've given because I did a lot of research, made sure I got it right. But at 88 years old, I'm, <laughs> I get a little bit forgetful. So hopefully I'm not making a mistake. But I think um, at that time, I only had three little bubbies and uh, little babes, you know. And um, anyway, I did uh, try this new diet that the doctor told me was written in the medical, Australian Medical Journal. And of course, in those days, um, they really didn't place as much importance or understanding about the diet and what we eat, right? So I went along with it and it did help. The trouble is 
it wasn't a healthy diet and I was going downhill. I kept questioning him. I think he thought I was just being a bump, you know, overtired or something like that. But I collapsed and actually ended up in hospital, an emergency. Couldn't move, could not move, and I couldn't even open my eyelids, although I was conscious. I tell you what, that particular experience taught me a lot about the human body. So I don't regret it at all. It really did show me a lot. And the big one is, of course, never to think if somebody looks like they're unconscious, uh, to keep talking to them because they can, they can probably hear you. That's the thing. Yes, we have this double consciousness within our body. But I think scientists are, are now starting to question that the brain is not the only consciousness in our body, which it isn't. <laughs> it's a soul consciousness that opens the door, connects with a, another aspect of ourselves and who we really are. I survived, of course, with that particular life because I actually, I wasn't particularly religious girl, but I was a spiritual girl, I suppose. And um, I asked God to let me stay because I was worried about the little boys and uh, who'd look after them properly. So I made a commitment that if I could stay, I would do anything for God. Oh, okay. And that's where another aspect of your soul walked in. Uh, yes, yes, it did. It wasn't um, clear to me at the time because I wasn't really as aware as I am now. But um, yes, it did. It was an agreement that was written actually and agreed to long before either of us came into a human body. So uh, is that when the channeling started happening or did that happen a lot later? It happened a lot later. I was supposed to meet my husband. Uh, I had a different life at that time and that all changed over seven years. And the very time that I'd had that um, near-death experience, my husband was English and he was coming into Australia. So he was here for seven years before we met. Okay. And then, then two years after that, we did get married. But that's, you know, like it was another story and then the one that I'm in now. <laughs> we so there was an agreement or a contract between you and your husband that you'd do this work together? Yes, not only that, but obviously with our other partners, because both of us had previous partners. Mm -hmm. My husband was divorced when I met him, but I wasn't, although um, my husband was very ill, very sick, and he was a loner, really. He was happier, really, being on his own. Um, anyway, that was that was a time of difficulty. <laughs> but so we... When did the first spirit guide start introducing themselves to you and start channeling through you? What was happening in your life then and how did that how did that occur? As I remember, it was about two years after John and I married. So we were meant to come together. And um, he, um, it, sorry, I was awakened one night with a voice asking me to stand up. And so, you know, going through that, I, I got out of bed and I stood up and then I was told to go back to bed. <laughs> and then when I was no comfortable back in a warm bed again, the voice said, stand up. And I did again. And then, then it said, go back to bed. So I got back to bed and I thought, goodness, what's happening? But there was a, it was a sort of a, um, a voice that I had to, I just somehow wasn't afraid of it at all. It was all at another layer of consciousness. I knew what it was all about, but not consciously at that time. Anyway, and I worried too that my husband would wake and say, what are you doing? What are you getting out of bed for? And then they'd think I was crazy, but because I didn't really know. Anyway, the third time, I said, get, um, please get out of bed. And um, it was a calling, of course. And it was linked with my actually um, agreement 
to work with God and do the work, right? So that's how it was. And even the word God bothered me quite a bit until I realised that, you know, anything that we've had done to us, even in other lives, in the name of God, was nothing to do with God at all. It was, it was totally wrong. So that was my issue, and I had to deal with that and get past it. And, of course, I have no problems with the source of creation where we all come from. And I've no problem with calling it God. But so who was it that was knocking that night that told you to get up and sit, to get up and sit, you know, out of bed and stand up? And Well, it was my teacher. He, I worked with him for quite a few years, actually. Um, his name was White Eagle. And I didn't even watch oh. quite a while. And I did ask once. I was sort of just musing and laying in a bath and thinking, now, oh, who is this voice speaking to me and teaching me? Because it said, if I keep a, um, a book or a uh, pad and pencil beside the bed, I'd be waking occasionally um, in the middle of the night and given messages and that I would be learning things, which I did. It was quite extraordinary. Mm. So mm. I see myself that I've been to the universe city. <laughs> <laughs> and I always want to go to a, I always want to go to university. I didn't make it because of family problems, but um, oh, I see the university, <laughs> the university. Oh, that is so clever, Valerie. It was very real, and I've met wow. that have had a similar experience. And they don't teach the same way; they're more lateral in their thinking. So when yeah. you're thinking, oh, you know, you've been growing up with linear thinking and. Uh, and it comes at a bit of an unexpected end, um, but it's, it absorbs more. Uh, I was even encouraged to look up words in Oxford Australian edition, uh, Dictionary, which I loved because then I was starting to look at the derivation of the word, and yes. that led me to another word to look up. And, you know, it was another way of them teaching me also. It was extraordinary, really. I know. Uh, so this was happening over 40 years ago. And uh, so, so many people are awakening now, as you know, and this is happening to them and they're looking on the net like, what the hell, what's going on? What's happening to me? And it's been happening to humanity for a long time. Uh, I suppose over 40 years ago when this was happening to you, you must have felt quite alone. You didn't have the internet to reach out and see other people were going through these experiences. There came a time... Uh, that, that we moved to another house away from the property, which I was very sad about leaving. But um, at the house, <clears throat> they had a beautiful garden, rose garden, which I absolutely loved. And uh, one morning I awoke, this was in the Southern Highlands where there's quite heavy mist sometimes in the morning. And um, <clears throat> I looked out at my beautiful rose garden it was absolutely covered in spiderweb. And it looked beautiful in the moth, you know, with all the drip of the, uh, the water just dripping on the, the web. It was quite extraordinary. So we had a few internet connection problems. We had to change location. Valerie had to change location in the house, which is closer to the router. We yeah. were in the middle of the, you woke up one morning and you saw spider webs all over the roses. Yes, that's right. And, uh, and I thought I'd take a photo and... Um, <laughs> And then when I, um, I was taking the photo, I felt unseen hands interrupt and do something else with a few more clicks on the, on the camera. And it came up and it was showing orbs, a beautiful magenta colour orb, which I've come to realise now is symbolic of uh, my connection to Andromeda or Andromeda. 
as they call it. I thought, well, also that this is a message. And so I tuned in, had a little meditation to my, with my mentors. And uh, I asked what was the message, you know, with, <laughs> with all these spider webs. And uh, the message was they would like me to join the World Wide Web. And of course, I just started laughing. And that's the sort of thing they are. They've got this wonderful sense of humor all the time. And so I've still got those photos and it did definitely introduce me to Andromeda, but I didn't realize at the time just how close I was connected to Andromeda, right? Right. And, um, and that's actually where they tell us now that um, they created the planet Earth in the first place. Right. Andromeda Val is an aspect of you from Andromeda who introduced herself to you through channeling. And uh, she told you that planet Earth was created and visualized and the idea of the Andromeda, of, of beings in the Andromeda gallery, is that a gallery, a galaxy? Is that how, what happened? Yes, 6,000 years ahead. So I was meeting my future self. It was quite extraordinary, really. She appeared beside my bed um, and she was quite happy and smiling and she looked very human, by the way. And this is because it's a result of an Adonis race, the Adonis race that has been um, created uh, in Andromeda um, with the view of having them, uh, so I'm not the only one, but having those people come <coughs> to Earth to be interviewed and they'll speak with humans so they wouldn't be afraid because a lot of the other very intelligent beings and wise ones don't look human and there's a, there's a natural fear. <coughs> um, but this race was created really as a result of the so-called abduction time. That stopped now, but that was going on, uh, what, about early 70s, I think. Right, that's how I come to get involved in it as well. Um, and then, of course, unfortunately, because um, it was working so well, as far as the star people were concerned, they were studying um, genetic structure and everything from the human race to try and help with disease, that sort of thing. But then the cold-blooded ones started to jump in and try to do the same thing, and they didn't understand how it was to feel. And so they were doing things without realising they were causing real pain and upset and fear with the people. So um, the whole thing was stopped. It had to be stopped. Okay. Well, let's just start from the beginning. Uh, so I'm just trying to have some linear timeline to this, this conversation. So um, you were it was communicated to you that planet Earth was an idea and a concept that was a concept of an ET race or the star, the star beings that they created planet Earth. And yeah. actually, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting there, but it was the angelic realms, actually. And that's um, the next layer of when we, uh, as souls, so we say, or oversoul, or God's selves, more like it, um, we can manifest and take on a body. It doesn't have to be an Earth human body. It can be from any other planet. There's plenty of, plenty of races out there in the universe, not accepted in the Western world here in Australia you know, on our earth yet, but in uh, in the Eastern world it is, and it certainly is with the indigenous people. 
and I think even countries like Russia and China, Japan, South America, I think they all accept the existence of star people. It's just a Western world thing at the moment. <laughs> I wish they'd get past it because the evolution of our planet involves so much of star people visiting, coming and going that weren't human race, but they were visiting uh, because at another time, our planet was in a raised state of consciousness and the star people could come and go easier. It was only after the fall of Atlantis that oh, we, okay. we all dropped. They talk about the fall and they meant the fall of the consciousness, the layer of consciousness that we're operating and now we're climbing back up there. Yes. So we've been through some ages of consciousness. So when the planet was created, the humanoids on the planet um, at the time of creation were more um, ape-like beings and then the star people came and mixed their DNA with the humanoids that were on the planet and created what is now the human body. Is that what happened? That was the beginning. That was what we were writing at the time of that event, which was said to be around 900,000 years ago. Now, um, it's been a more involvement since then, but I have been given a memory of when I uh, was one of the uh, star people that were involved with that creation. Mm-hmm. And it was done with genetic engineering, by the way. Mm-hmm. And they're very advanced and know all about that, much more than what we are aware by scientists here on this earth. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we were then, um, I was one that came back actually as into the human race that had been uplifted. So they were then light with souls and they had a consciousness and an agreement. And that was all set up within the comic board. That's, that's the one of the so, reasons. So that, Valerie, just tell us what happened. For people that haven't read the book and don't know your story, yeah. just tell us the story of Alchery, you know, the, the uh, Palladians crashing, the, the story, as you, as you know. Okay. Well, after I was given a lot of uh, understanding and teaching through White Eagle, and it turned out he said to me that I was his son on Earth. My name was Eagle Eye. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and uh, but it's funny when you think about being a male when you're a female, you know, but that's part of androgynous, which strangely enough sounds very much like Andromeda. Andromeda. Uh, and we are, as God beings, we are androgynous. Then in 20, 1994, so that was 26 years ago, wasn't it? Yet yeah. I had this sacred Alcaringa stone come my way. It belonged to the Australian Indigenous people. <clears throat> and I did worry, knowing that I shouldn't really have it, but I was looking after it, another lady, um, because she wanted to return it, but they were afraid of it. And so, uh, but she knew it had to go back. And it turned out that in a past life, she was the, <laughs> she was the, um, can I say, the uh, Afghani that had come in the early days of white man's settlement and taken camels into the centre of Australia with a whole lot of things hanging from it to sell to the people that lived out there. They were quite adventurous then, of course. So, uh, and he came across this uh, light inside a uh, cave. He went inside to investigate and it was this parcel wrapped in 
well, I don't know if it was actually wrapped in uh, paper bark, but it was by the time it got to me, which was something like 200 years later. I mean, it's ridiculous, really. But the family, the Afghan family, kept it, knew that it was important and it was sacred, and they honoured it. And so it finally found its way to me. In the meantime, um, I have found that the where it was found was at Cave Hill, which is about 100 kilometres from Uluru, and um, the rock at, at that cave is exactly the same rock as Uluru. And uh, the lady that had always had that in her care always felt it came from Central Australia and had to go back to Central Australia. And she was right. And it has gone back to Central Australia now. So that's a quite a long story, but that's written in the Star Lady book. <laughs> right, that one. <laughs> so, so the rock came to you and did the rock communicate with you the story, the, the, the memories of your star lineage? And no, it was telling me stories. It was like a diary. I was sitting with it and I'd never done anything like that before, but <clears throat> I found I was able to. I think it was coming from um, an ability I had as an American Red Indian, actually, an Indian chief. So, um, so and I was passing the messages on to the, uh, the rest of the tribe, so to speak. But that was American Red Indian. But this now was being used to help with the Indigenous people. And hopefully, I think there was also it had come away from the Indigenous people to the white man and play a role to help find um, understanding between the two races. Now it's gone back to the safely to the um, Indigenous people or the clever fellas. And um, and it taught a lot, actually. It taught me a lot. And uh, at the time, of course, being a medium, I think you attract other mediums. You know, we had lo- I was had a lot of friends, and so they were holding the stone and also understanding the sacredness of it and uh, receiving messages from it. And it seemed to speak to each person individually, which was quite extraordinary, but it did always talk about that same event that happened that, um, at so- that time. What happened, Valerie? What was the event that happened? Well, it was uh, a huge mothership called Rexagena that had been created in the Pallades. That's the seven sisters, the indigenous people all around the world know. And uh, it's in the constellation of Taurus, which helps to understand why there's sacred cow and the bull, that type of stuff. And um, it, it came to us then a little part of the story, then another and another. So it was almost like people were standing outside the door waiting to come in to share their aspect of the story. How it came about was because I had uh, the stone and I had kept the diary and I had it published, I was asked to do all this by upstairs. Um, And the next year, 1995, was... I might be getting a bit 26, 27, anyway, 95, 25 years, that's right. And an uh, Aboriginal elder came to me, or I met, and I was quite nervous because he was quite stern, and I thought, oh, dear, this is a confrontation. I was, <laughs> I was a bit concerned about what might happen. Anyway, he, um, he was stern, yes, and he asked, um, he asked me about it, what I was doing with it, and I told him about that and I said it had been teaching me and I'd met a uh, being called Outeringa who said he was a, an ancient ancestor, creator ancestor. And uh, he was speaking now through me, borrowed my voice box. It was all agreed to. And he said, oh, 
that's all right then. <laughs> so I had no idea, you know, whether the Indigenous people had these stories or abilities or how they received them. Some, so, of them, some of them do, but not all of them. So there was this big mothership that came from the Pallades and what happened with the mothership? Well, it was attacked, unfortunately, because there was the, um, the lizard race that um, cold-blooded people that lived in this corner of the galaxy and the ship was aimed to come here to replace another one that had been attacked and blown up. That was to replace that because it was interfering with the uh, cosmic... Uh, what can I say, the, um, the interaction of the sun and the planets going around at that type of thing, solar system, the solar system. So that had to be replaced. This was done millions, billions of years ago, but um, it was taken over pretty quickly by the cold-blooded race. And, um, and, of course, they assumed that the planet was theirs. So there was this war, unfortunately. Now... Um, that's what happened, that the ship came, the star people knew they had to create um, diplomatic conversation and uh, agreements and agreements were made that they would hand over the planet back to the, the star people, but it didn't happen. They went against their word and they attacked the ship and it was blown up. So it fell to the ground and it was what we call the Moldavite stone. We have been shown that that is the remains of the ship. Well, because it was coming with light and blessed and um, with the intention of holding that light to lift the consciousness that was in this corner of our Milky Way galaxy, well, even though it's blown up and fell to Earth, which was only, it's only found around Czechoslovakia, around Moldavia, that area. And so um, that stone in ancient times was north, was uh, called a, a grail stone because when people held it, it seemed to cover you in light, which is what happened to me when I was asked to find one. And um, I couldn't hold the stone. It was so strong that uh, it took me a while before I got used to the energy. I could only just touch it and come away from it and touch it and that, that sort of stuff. So it was telling me the story also of um, how it was. But it unfolded gradually over quite a number of years. And finally... Um, uh, so I, the, the story goes that um, Earth was a creation of the star people and there was a bit of a war against some different races who wanted to claim its ownership. Right. You call the lizard people, the reptilians had got a hold of Earth and the Palladians were coming to enlighten the humanoids on the planet and to move them to their next evolutionary step, a bit like what's happening in our world right now. Absolutely, yes. So they came in a big, so there was a big starship overseeing the planet that was destroyed by the, the reptilians and then another one came and that was shot down. They told us there were 50,000 on board that oh. appeared to come from different um, planets not just the Pallades, but mostly from the Pallades. And uh, it turns out that Al Turinga, who work, I work with very closely now, he was um, the commander-in-chief. Right. But he lost his life. Right. But then he came back also as a clever um, ancient ancestor and he's been working with the Indigenous race ever since. Okay. So, so, uh, so how many of the beings survived when the ship crashed? 
they say 90, 90, and uh, one, two, only about two ships that we know of. Third one did for a while, but then was gone. And when you go into uh, memory for, what can I say, previous lives, especially if it's connected with the light body, sometimes it gets a bit confusing because it's so easy to remember one life and then slip into another and then another without realising. It's only when someone's working with you, like I was with them, and I recognise, hang on, no, the story's changed. I'll get them to stop for a minute and look at their body or their hands or something, and sure enough, you could see the look on their face, oh, oh, I, I, I've changed, you know, <laughs> a bit confused. So we get sort that one out. Um, but the thing is, um, it was after, and I said about this Indigenous man that was quite stern, he since became a very good friend and used to joke with my husband about, uh, John always said he was his black brother, you know, and they were always laughing. Was that, Jerry, was that Jerry Bostock? Yes, yes, wonderful Jerry. We loved him. And we miss him terribly. Jerry was an Aboriginal Indigenous healer, an original Indigenous healer. Yeah, yeah I, I knew Jerry. Uh, I met him with um, with Rosemary and John. And uh, yeah, so he's since transitioned out of his physical body. So he was the stern Aboriginal man that said, what are you doing? And you said, oh, I'm talking to Al Turinga. <laughs> he said, oh, that's okay then. Yes, after um, I was telling him what I had done and still being a bit sort of confused myself about it all. He understood it straight away. And, right. uh, you know, the old fellas, uh, they go through initiations and they die, they go back to the, the uh, sky world or sky people and then come back. And he knew that's the way it was working with me. So he always respected my work and encouraged me. And um, so he had memories also of that same event. Because we we went we were talking about this um, these Egyptian glyphs that are very controversial at Carrion near Gosford, which is just north of Sydney on the coast there. And um, he said, I asked him about it. Actually, I'd heard about it elsewhere. And so um, he said, Oh, well, I'll take you. So we there were seven of us, and we're all mediums. We didn't have any preconceived ideas at all, really. But when we were in the cave, where well, it wasn't a cave, it was an open corridor with these glyphs that looked very Egyptian-like. We've since realised that possibly the early days, the beginning of Egyptian writing, that they had come also knowing the story of creation of humans and they were interested in what the Indigenous people knew. We went there and it was very interesting. We had a lovely day and um, I did write about that. So, but Jerry asked me, do you think um, Alcheringa will come through and talk to us while we're there? And I said, oh, yes, I know he will because he's already said he was going to speak with the Aboriginal elder. <laughs> we didn't understand what it was all about, but there you go. So, um, so he did come. That's actually recorded and on my website, if anyone wanted to listen the very first time, that he had recorded and spoke at the site there at Carrion. And um, then after he said he would give us the keys, well, as it turned out, I was, we're all leaving to go home. I put something in the boot of my car and unfortunately I don't know how it happened, but the keys got caught inside the boot. And then I, I locked myself out of the car. <laughs> so instead of giving us the keys, he took them away. <laughs> So that was rather funny, but um, that's the way they operate. 
So it occurred so that I had to go back to the town to get an NRMA man to come and help us, which was quite a way in. In the meantime, Jerry and the other lady, Helen, just the two or three of us all together, we came together and we were talking and it was getting later, all the others had gone. And Jerry said, look, Valerie, he said, I, I have a feeling that a little starship's gone into the water over there, pointing towards Lion Island. And um, said, put your hands out. So I did put my hands out and they were both standing quite close to me. And we all were overcome with the same energy, an experience of remembering being star people, being terribly upset, shocked, not, not believing what had happened, all that type of thing. Because the ship had blown up, there were all these people were dead, including our own family. I had lost my husband and four children that were on board. You know, this is, was all very real. Star people, you can say, you know, you don't believe in them or they're just fantasy or something, but no, it's very real. They have feelings the same as we do. And um, so it was quite an extraordinary thing for three of us to be together and have that experience together. We even actually joined our hands together somehow. I don't know how we did it, but it was almost, almost like a six-pointed star. So we saw that as a sign and similar signs with the clouds above and it was starting to get um, evening, you know, so the light changes and the little boats on the water were starting to beam light, but we could still see the whole scenery, that type of thing. So it was something you never forget. It was the 10th of the 10th, 1995. I will never forget it. <laughs> so losing your keys in the boot was uh, a way of, of getting you to stay there, to have this transmission yeah, okay I'm so the reason i reached out to you again i reached out to you before the december 21st on facebook but i see you don't look at me messenger on facebook so that didn't work i forget who i reached out to because i reached out to a few you know quite a few people for the show um because there was a connection between this story and the 21st of uh, the activation on the 21st of december 2020 which we'll go into but i remember you and uh, rosemary and john talking about the glyphs 20 years ago and for some reason i never got up there i just never got up there but i did recently with a group of women all healers all mediums we managed to go up there and the uh, rachel one of the uh, per people that um said okay let's have a road trip to the glyphs that that organized the group she was reading your book Alcharinga, and she was fascinated and she really related to the story that you're talking about yes. and feels like she was one of the people on the ship and that's what you discovered during that time with jerry that and and rosemary and john that you met a whole lot of people that were incarnated here on earth that were one of the palladians on that starship did you die during the crash or did you survive do you remember no, one of the survivors um that was also i was put in the in the place to record it and study it that's gone on now i didn't realize why exactly but i do know now um that is what happened because we started to talk i think and before you knew it it was <laughs> the the story had gone out to a lot of people yes because i'd already published that other book you know, with the um, with the holding the sacred stone, and that had opened up and given us clues. We didn't realise, we didn't relate, but now this was uh, actually that first book. I had taken the manuscript to the Avatar Sri Satyasabhava in India, 
And he had called me for an interview, which is extraordinary because the stars is there every day. And um, he held a manuscript, he'd opened it. I'd already asked him telepathically if he would bless this new little granddaughter that was in our lives. And he took out the photo and gave it to me without me saying anything. He gave it and he said, granddaughter with a grin on his face. And of course he was blessing the child. And uh, we were communicating telepathically quite a bit actually. Um, and he wanted me to hold back the story because when he tried to share about other worlds and star people, people at that time weren't ready. Mm. So it's been held back for quite some time. And now it looks like 20 years because it's starting to come out now. Still, well, it certainly is. It certainly is. I mean, there are still people in the mainstream world that say, oh, you're crazy if you talk about, uh, you know, ETs or star people. Yeah. So yeah. basically their message that was coming through then and now is we're here, we're with you, we're helping you evolve, we're here to help you evolve in your consciousness, we're here to help you take that next evolutionary step forward in human awareness and consciousness. So those people that were on the ship were involved in the next step in evolutionary consciousness then, a million years ago, and now they're back incarnated into physical bodies now and they're doing that on earth now. Yes. That's and it was the pain and the sadness and everything they felt at that time has gone now because, um, hopefully, because um, we've evolved and we understand and we know that we didn't fail. That was a thing a lot of us had. And we also, a lot of us didn't trust God or, you know, whoever it was that was um, organising the whole thing and, uh, for us. We didn't, we, we doubted that too. But, of course, that's, it's always, there's always this other story, this bigger picture. And so many of the wise ones will say this here on earth, this life that we are living is not the reality. And when you understand that you are an aspect of who you really are, then it begins to make sense. And time and distance doesn't mean anything. And there's no, when you communicate telepathically, there's no limitation. You can connect wherever. It doesn't matter. It's to do with intent. Yeah, so it doesn't matter if people are in the body or out of the body. So Sai Baba, for those people who don't... universe too, Karen. Pandai. I meant in the universe as well. It's no limit. You know, scientists will say, well, the Andromeda, you know, how many, many thousands, millions or whatever, light years away it is, that that would limit you, but it doesn't. Yeah, you can communicate telepathically with people all over the cosmos and in, in many different dimensions. Yes. Everything is consciousness. That's Everything is consciousness. And Sai Baba, for those people who don't understand who Sai Baba is, he is, was, is, was. Um, so he's left his physical form. Uh, a huge guru in India, uh, he has the big, so he had the big sort of black afro and he always wore the orange yes. robe. He was massive. He was one of India's biggest uh, gurus. And before that, he was Shervi Sai Baba, a bit like the Dalai Lama incarnating into different forms, but exactly with yeah. the same message. And he's apparently he's coming back, or he's probably already back in the body of a child or a teenager to um, to be here for this evolutionary step that we're taking. Prima Baba, Prima now, Baba, Prima Baba. Yes. Now he gave me, and he's. I believe there was not, you know, uh, he wasn't going to speak, and um, he was going to look more Arab too. Uh, more like Jesus is sometimes portrayed. Um, 
but when he says, when it's, it is said, I'm not saying that, but um, when it is said that he's not going to speak, I assume they're meaning he's going to communicate telepathically exactly the way I was doing it when I was called for an interview. And it was quite extraordinary when you think about it. And he gave me this beautiful ring, Karen. This is um, the blue one. It is beautiful. This one. Did he manifest that in front of you? Like he just he did. Yeah. And he even put it on my finger. That was another thing. He doesn't usually touch people, <laughs> but he was putting it on my hand. And of course, with that con physical contact, I became very sick actually afterwards, but that was to release anything that had been with the body that I had inherited. Yeah. Anyway, he put it on and I telepathically, I was thinking, remember at the time, I'm not as cluey as I am now. I don't mean to say I know everything far from it, but I wasn't as cluey then. And he was putting it on the finger and I'm thinking, oh, that's my wedding finger. <laughs> And he looked at me and smiled <laughs> and then took it off and put it on this one. That, that's, you know, and now, hand. now because of age, it's swollen. I can't go to get it on in there. And you must touch back on this one. <laughs> back on the wedding finger. You're married to the cosmos, darling. You're married to the cosmos. To, to, uh... And I had to talk it over with my husband and he says, oh, that's okay. And he gave me this one. <laughs> this is my husband. He gave me this one. It's, um, it's a crystal, actually, but it looks like a diamond. Actually, this is a diamond, by the way. And um, because when I was given, after I was walking around, sort of just trying to take everything in on my own, and suddenly I saw these long white fingers moving very fast, so I knew that was in another frequency. And... Um, it was making the green diamond and the words came, was making the diamond, the star people were making the diamonds, the same as uh, earth people make industrial diamonds. Same thing. So, right. I, so this is when you're in India seeing Sai Baba. Yes. He called me about uh, six or eight times, I think. I can't remember now. No, I'm getting confused with Uluru. Uh, either way, I've only ever done things because he's called me, that sort of stuff. Right. I know. When I was uh, facilitating the Academy of Light with Rosemary and John, they were saying, oh, you know, Sai Baba's going to call you, Sai Baba. And I, he never called me. And one time John was doing some sound because he loves his sound. He was playing yeah. music and doing sound and gonging and stuff in the Academy. And in the middle of our circle, Sai Baba was standing there. And I remember saying, are you calling me to India? Do I have to go to India to see you? And he said to me, no, I'm here, right here with you now. Why do you need to come to India to see me? You can see me right now. And I'm like, okay. But anyway, Rosemary and John were very insistent and they sent us off to India to see Sai Baba and we did. Uh, but Sai Baba at that stage was at the end of his life and um, there wasn't much to see. But we, yes. I, he, left, he left his body soon after that. He was very um, old and quite um, in, incapacitated at the time I went to see him. Yes. Like you, I got very sick, very sick. So there was some, some upgrade happening in my physical yes. body. Yes. So he, um, I, I, I sort of, I was always a little bit nervous about cults and, you know, that type of stuff. And also God being in a body, I was a bit like this too. But I've come to realise, of course, and as he says, we are all God. We're all God. It's from the source. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. We're in the aspect that we've got a shadow, but we actually originally come from and still do. It's not like sometime 
another other time. It's all happening at the same time. This is important to understand because that's what I do, help people to connect to the soul consciousness, which opens the old door to the other soul, and that goes through to the God self. Now, we surrender our aspect or who we are, right, and then connect to our God self. We're not giving our power away. We're actually gaining it. Absolutely. We don't give it. We don't give it to anyone else. Just our God self, and then um, and so it really does work with um, connecting through our soul consciousness because that's ever everlasting. It's um, it's not the same as our brain that goes back to earth when our body goes back to earth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that the, one of the sayings that Sai Baba said was, "We're all God. The only difference between you and me is that I remember and you've forgotten." That's right. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And okay. He, and he also says, um, he also said, I am God and I come as a man to take man back to God. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, like many gurus, he's had a lot of ridicule over the years from uh-huh. people in the media. Okay, so there's some questions from Rachel and I think they're great questions. There were questions I was going to ask you anyway, but I'll give those to Rachel. To those of us who feel we may have been on the mothership, etc., or part of the original mission, what are our next steps here now? <laughs> well, you know, this is the thing. We all have, everybody on this earth is different. No two people are the same. And um, that makes it hard sometimes to heal. You know, what works for one doesn't for another. So we need to work with our God self and we can interconnect and uh, relate and receive advice. And as soon as you have a question, you ask, you receive advice. It's so easy. It's so easy. Honestly, it's so simple. It takes all the worry out of your life. And also, you're more likely to make the right choices. And if it doesn't seem like you have, it's because you need to go that way, so we say, for a little bit just to understand something. Yeah. In a lateral way rather than a linear way. Yes, she asks the same question in four other questions. And I think it's a question many people are asking at this time on earth. They know that they're here to make a difference. They know they're connected to their star lineage or they've had lives in other galaxies and planets. And then they land in a physical body. They wake up and they go, okay, now what next? What am I supposed to do? And, you know, you, you can't ask anyone that, as you say, Valerie, you can only ask your higher self or your guides um, because they hold your mission. And God never says, this is what exactly what you've got to do because we are creators and we have to create what we want to do. Yes, that's absolutely right. And um, we have free will too. Free will. So that means that we, um, this has lifted us away from the animal man who was subjected. And don't forget, we've got all the RNA and DNA and stuff from the animal. Um, so there's no judgment in anything. And that's why it's important not to judge anything because we don't know the big picture of anybody and, um, until we go back. Or we can be given to it if we ask. The thing is, if we have free will, that means universally, the, the wonderful star people that want to help us can't help us unless we ask. We need to ask for advice. And that was given by Jesus, he says, or other beings, beautiful beings that say, we all you have to do is ask and the door will open. Or what is, I've forgotten some of the quotes now, but it's, it's that simple. 
that gets past the universal law that, for, that for, forbids them to come in and sort of take over or say, oh, I'm sure they must be like parents. You know, you think, oh, I wish I could help my kids, you know, but they've got to wait. They've got to learn their own way. Or if they ask advice, well, that's fine. If they don't, shut up, mum. <laughs> don't say anything because they really do have to learn their own. They only end up, children only end up resenting you if you start to try and tell them too much or help them too much. And they didn't do it themselves, you know, they, they've just got to find their own way all the time. So that's the secret, is to ask. Now to ask, actually, um, I did a series at the Lankata Room at um, the sales just near the conference that was held at Uluru by Catherine and uh, Catherine Hand and Tim. Uh, Mick. Mick. Mick Turner. <laughs> uh, yes, that conference just here in December 21st. I think a lot of people have heard about that one. Anyway, getting back, because it's very strong energy at Uluru. Absolutely, very strong energy. You don't. Well, let, before you go into that, let's just back up a bit. So, Mick and Catherine <clears throat> were so excited to meet you at the um, conference in Byron Bay, which I also spoke at, um, because you had given them a puzzle piece about the 21st of December 2020. What was that puzzle piece that you gave them? What, what had the star people said to you about what was happening on that date? It was like um, Alteringa, by that time, he'd introduced himself to me. And so I was working with him and he had said about that um, the world would come to know there would be an event at Uluru. Uh, the world would come to know, it would go out across the world. That, but it was a, pro a prophecy actually of, um, of this event taking place. And they said also that there would be um, um, showing of starships on mass also at that time. Well, Catherine was always felt that there was real truth in this. And uh, there were other prophecies that came out too that people had spoken about. The fact that the starships didn't show, I have actually got it on my website and they have apologized. They said, they couldn't show, although they said they were there, they could see us, but we couldn't see them. Um, the fact was that COVID-19 has placed a, a real um, energy with people. They were nervous, so worried. They didn't know what was going to happen next, all that type of thing. And if they'd shown themselves up en masse in starships, uh, they felt that, if, that a lot of people would have had a nervous breakdown thinking they were going to be attacked because there's so much sci-fi stuff showing just that, you know, which is not not on. And it's never going to happen because um, if it was going to happen, it would have happened a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing stopping them. They're far advanced in, um, in um, intelligence, shall we say, and in technical abilities, totally. So, um, and it's not going to happen. So we're here to help the should we say the cold-blooded people or the people that have come to a certain layer of consciousness and not able to cope with this heavier, stronger, which is where we're leading to in the golden age. So, so Valerie, what did happen in Uluru on the 21st? Oh, gosh, it was quite an experience. Uh, John and I were there as one of them, you know, probably the, some of the elders there. But we... Um, 
there's a whole lot of things going on with I don't know if people know about Stephen and Evan Strong. Yeah, I've had Steve, I've had um, Stephen on the show. Uh, we discussed it. Uh, so if people want to see that show I did with Stephen, we discussed uh, the information that he received about what was happening on the 21st. But, yes. but for those people, because this is a global audience, for those people that were not in Australia or even in Uluru yes. at the yes. time, and you were there with Stephen and Evan and Catherine and Mick and a whole lot of other people that came together, what happened? I was asked to put a PowerPoint presentation on, which people can get a copy of if they want. All they have to do is go to my website and it's available. Um they just need to request it. That's all. No, no cost, nothing. And it is a story about um, Uluru. And that's what um, Arturing is asking me to focus upon because he says he resides there. Now in another world maybe, but he does reside there. He has always resided there. And it's an important part of what has taken place with the evolution of our planet. He also wants me to wanted me to... Um, work with a scientist so that we're not seeing it just like, shall we say, like the, uh, I've come to realise, I won't say I'm as clever of or anything, but uh, we could call, as Steve says, it's like um, black fella dreaming, white fella dreaming. And that's, you know, a lot of the people that have raised consciousness, psychic abilities, if you like, but they have this ability to receive messages from other worlds and from the star people. Indigenous people are holding back, I think, on the word in, in the, uh, star people now, sky people, they used to call it. I think because for the same reason, everybody's laughed at, you know, so, but they know better. So they have, uh, they talk about the ancestors. And so that's where I'm coming from now too. From did Alturinga come through and channel through you in December on the 21st? Well, that's another story, but he did on the 20th, yes, with, at the Lankata room. That was what I really wanted to show. And the reason I brought up that, that about that Lankata room was because it's just gone online now and on my website of all the questions that were asked. And it did explain how to connect to your, through your soul consciousness and into your God self. So, and of course, if anyone wants to ask questions, they're welcome. They can contact me. So the question I posed was what happened energetically on the 21st for people that weren't there? What happened? Yes, well, that was the thing that kept changing. Uh, COVID-19, they were getting, uh, like there were people that are arriving. For instance, I arrived on the 17th, which was actually my birthday. I was 88 that day and I arrived at Uluru. That was fine. We came from Sydney. Next day, but we had heard the problem of a break a breakout of COVID, like a cluster in the northern beaches. But we came from Mossvales out in the country, so we weren't involved. The next day, the plane that was coming to Uluru was cancelled. It, sorry, it wasn't cancelled. It was allowed, but anyone coming from that area of um, the northern beaches were taken off the plane. And so it was very upsetting. Even Catherine's son was with um, a lady was bringing him there for her. Um, she was taken off the plane. So there were others to look after uh, him. Okay. okay, so do you think that there was some delay in the gathering of people? Do you think that that was orchestrated? Yes, of course. Everything is orchestrated here. You can't, what's the point in getting upset? Um, because everything is, <laughs> but it's orchestrated from your, 
God's self, right? So this is a place where you know a lot more about everything than you do consciously here on Earth in your Earth body. So why do you think the uh, source was orchestrating such delays for the gathering on the 21st? What do you think was going on there? Uh, I have no idea because um, really I could take a guess. Um, some people are meant to be somewhere, some aren't. Right. No judgment, so I don't know. Uh, but that seemed to be what was happening because I can see the bigger picture. Right. And um, just the same as there are a lot of people dying at the moment and I can see the bigger picture. Yeah. And it's not good from our place of thinking here. But then remember there was a, a phrase about sorting out from the wood from the, sorry, the, um, ah, what's it called? The chaff from the wheat, the wheat from the chaff in the Christian Bible. And it's got something to do with that. And it's got nothing to do with judgment by any other God saying you can't go or you can, that sort of stuff, nothing like that. It's to do with what uh, energy field you carry and walk in, whether you're capable of handling a stronger light. Right. Okay. You can feel yourself and keep freeing yourself, clearing your energy field. That's fine. And the ones that are dying might have already done that and they're waiting now to come into the gold. Golden age. We don't know. Yeah. This layer of no judgment. So that's very important. I get very upset. So there was a a big energy shift that happened on the 21st. And those people that were meant to be in ceremony at Uluru were there. And those people that weren't were not there. And all the delays and the flights and all that, that was all orchestrated. And and there were gatherings all across the world. I was involved in a gathering just outside of Sydney. And we connected with the spirit of Uluru. And um, we did wonderful things. And so there were gatherings all across the planet who tuned into that energy. And there was a big energy upgrade at that time. The, the whole thing was streamlined, exactly what that, um, that prophecy said, the one that um, in the Book of Love. Mm-hmm. Um, and Catherine and Hans, Hick, um, Mick. Mick, actually, um, they covered that cost, and it cost them a lot of money. But they did it anyway. <laughs> so it was all done. And all the things that uh, Steve and Evan sort of were thinking and happening, it happened, but not quite the way they thought. Right. The thing that happened with the old people that had also put out <clears throat> a, a strong introduction about Uluru and they're calling it a magic box, um, they had it to themselves at Uluru because that was closed. The national park was closed. That means suddenly all these people had to be taken somewhere in a group because for that time to take place in the evening. Um, and so uh, that happened. So everyone was taken with buses, <laughs> five buses, I think the uh, conference people arranged for Catherine and Mick. So we all piled into the buses and went to a park. And, of course, there was criticism from some and others, you know, all because they had expectations. And Expectation. When you're working with upstairs, you've got to let or let go. <laughs> got to, they say, let go and let God. I was just involved in a festival just outside of Sydney last weekend. Everything went pear-shaped. Everything went wrong. And someone said, just be like water and flow. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, there are others that are not there with that trust. And I think you're mad. You're nuts. <laughs> oh, well, what's the matter? We're in a house of divide here on this layer of consciousness at the moment. 
but we are raising to a level playing field of crystal or frequency of crystal, Christ, Christos, all the same. And that's the layer of consciousness where some can't go to because it's just too strong. But they're looked after elsewhere, much as the same as we're being looked after now. Yeah. We have choices with free will. That's so everything went pear-shaped, but it was all perfect, really. Uh, and people's expectations, they were a little disappointed, but then, you know, that's life. you just got to be like water and flow. Now, Valerie, shall we bring in one of your guides for a channel? Would you like to do that? Well, I, yes, I've, I've been told that if I call on any of them, that um, they're quite happy to come. So I've worked them for about 42 years now. And um, so they say they will come. Do you want to tune in and see who wants to speak with us today? Okay. Um, um, Sartoringa, <laughs> he's actually saying this because he really wants to focus on Uluru because it's a very important jump in the evolution of the planet. And uh, from that rolls on all the other stories. Right? Okay. So, so shall we bring in Alturinga? Can, and I'll yes. ask him a couple of questions. Yeah, I'd like to add too, where I said I've been asked to get um, a um, scientist to work with me. Because mm -hmm. some of them, you know, think, how could it come from the stars? It should have broken up. But there'd be an impact crater, that sort of stuff. Uh, and I had that was part of the the, the um, PowerPoint presentation that I did on that December the 20th. And people can get a copy of it if they like. But I didn't have the scientist. Now I have got a scientist. Fabulous. Yes, it is. It's great. And he was sort of, you know, double minds, oh, not really, you know, all that sort of stuff. But the more I gave him or shared with him that Alterinka had already given me and explained more, and then we, was, we found we were sparking off each other. It turns out he's from the same soul as I am. Oh, it couldn't have been better. <laughs> and um, so he's been there waiting. I've known him for about seven years, but never thinking coming from this place. So he's been there waiting seven years, another cycle. So he's come in, done a young man. And um, he's very, he says, it's really interesting working with you, Val. You know, he sent off something he said to me that he thought he'd be teaching me something in... Um, uh, what do you call the people? <laughs> I've been the ones that study rocks. Oh, for goodness sake, what is it? Geologists. Uh, geologists, yes, of course. So he, and he's got a lot of degrees too, and he does work with it. That's his everyday work in clearing water. That's what he does. He's a smart cookie. Nice. So, um, and I didn't realise all that either. Um, and he always gets on really well with John. Um, anyway, so um, he rang me and he said, I, you came to me, your image was given to me in my meditation. And he said, I, I think you need help. I'm here to help you. Well, I felt a bit tearful about that, actually. And so from then on, we've gone strength to strength and we know where we're going. We know what we've got to do. And upstairs is saying it's all laid out for us. So Beautiful. just get on with it, as they say. So um, that's how it is when you surrender. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. Anyway, to him, to uh, uh, Ringer. Let's invite Alturinga. Actually, uh, he resides at Uluru, and normally I see myself, I've never climbed the rock, knowing it was special, and I, you know, I understood the sacredness of it. Uh, so uh, with respect and love, 
Um, I'm going to call on Alteringa, if he would please present and talk to Karen. How long do you want him to talk for, Karen? <laughs> oh, just a message, Diane, just, just a message for the people listening. Yes, okay, all right. Because um, I don't even have to go up the rock and see him in my light body and call out to him, which is the way I used to. Although for a bit of theatre, maybe we'll do that anyway. All right, so I'll call out to him. But these days he's inside my head. Alteringa. Alteringa. I am here, my dear. And thank you for calling on me. He's laughing <laughs> because we're so close now. <laughs> I've been through another initiation since December the 20th. <laughs> so it's like the androgynous bit I'm talking about, you know, the male, female. So, so uh, yes. You have interrupted me, my dear. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and I say this with a laugh. And I've been working with uh, Valerie for a long time, much longer than she has realised just how close we are. However, my message to all is to love one another, respect one another, never to judge one another, because on this planet Earth, you are aspects of your true self, your God self, your creator self, part of where, or well not part, but the very place that you can make decisions and uh, create for yourselves. And there are many there willing to help and work with you. All you need to do is ask. This is important because the door will be opened and you will find you're not limited in your thinking. Your mind expands and you become connected in a much over, uh, bigger overview way in seeing things as they really are. I hope I am making myself understood. Yes, perfectly. Thank you for coming to speak with us, Alturinga. For those people who feel connected to the story uh, in the book Alturinga, what would you like to say to them about who they are and why they're on the planet right now and what they can do and also what they can do in groups? Again, like-minded people know this. They know when they are mixing with people that are like mind, that are not of judgment, that they are open and they are lateral thinkers. And uh, you know also uh, if someone feels, if someone is coming from that place, discernment is always needed. Trust that. Don't think you are imagining it. Once you open yourself and you clear your energy field, connect to the source of all creation, of God's self, immediately you will be connected. And it is coming from a frequency and vibration of light that uh, withholds, it holds everything that you need and keeps everything that you do not need away from you. Again, there is no judgment, it's just fact. A fact of life and at which layer of consciousness you wish to work. So in a group, when you do this, clear your energy field as a group. Hand yourself over, if you can, to your God self. 
and ask others to share the thoughts that are coming because they are, this is the place where you receive ideas and thoughts and motivation to do things in the name of God. You will know and it will feel right. So when you feel right, you will find that everyone else will agree because you are coming from a similar understanding and relationship with each other. If there differs, we'll discuss that, respect it. And then of course, if it does not meld or interlace with you all, then that one will need to leave with respect. So am I explaining and giving understanding to you? Yes, it's beautiful. It's been said through some original people that uh, Uluru, the rock itself, is a, a piece of the Pallades, an asteroid, if you like, that, that hit planet Earth, that seeded life on planet Earth. Is that true? Well, in some ways it is, because as I have said, the mothership landed here, and so that is part of the Pallades. And maybe messages can be misunderstood because of other things that are fed from other uh, channels. And this, I think, uh, I would like to make a point that if possible, everyone needs to follow the uh, and speak of what is coming from their intuition or the inside teaching. And that is what I am talking about in connecting to your soul consciousness, to your God self. Follow from that point. So that when you get to that layer of ability, there's really no need to start going or doing workshops or reading too much of others' work because it can confuse you. So beware of that. Be aware of that. And be wary of you missing or doubting what you are receiving and uh, thinking something else is right. Because in the long term, if it was discussed and uh, understood, you would find it is all coming from the same place. When it is right, it is coming from the same place. So am I making myself understood? <laughs> yes, perfectly. I've <laughs> had a bit of a crash in the background. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Archeringa. The message is very clear. Listen to your guidance and trust in it and don't worry about the stories that you see on the internet. doesn't matter what anyone else says. You have to trust the knowing that you're receiving and act on that. Very clear. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, of course, he's not asking to create a war. He is only asking for all to respect one another. Yeah, beautiful. Oh, Valerie, it's been so gorgeous. I suspect he's there and not there. I don't know. You don't need to let him go. I see that you're back with us here now. Thank yeah. you so much for speaking with us today. And if people do want to know more about the story that we alluded to today, the Alcharinga story and the Palladian ship, it's all in the book, Alcharinga. Yes, and this one too, because it does feel in a lot of um, other things, especially the Book of Love, that was when holding the sacred Alcharinga stone. Um, that's in that book too. And I have had a lot of um, feedback about the Star Lady book in that it was um, some of the books that are in it were uh, also blessed by Sabama. So when something is blessed by an avatar, the energy stays with it and people will feel that energy in their hearts. 
And then it opens up their connection to their soul or God self, and it feeds other memories to them. So the people will say to me, or when you wrote, nothing, I can't remember that, but that's what happens. It opens doors for other people. So I would suggest they try it, but that's up to them. Uh, I look forward to another book that's coming out with you and your scientist friend. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's another story again. Uh, That will be interesting. Uh, Yeah, that will be interesting. Uh, That's funny. Um, I had an email from a lady in France. I've had a lot of connection with France, and uh, this one was from France. Hadn't heard from her before. She'd read my Star Lady book and also felt the other one as well, the uh, Alceringa when the first ancestors were created. And then uh, she says she has this knowing and she was there. This lady was there. I could tell straight away, just reading and feeling. And um, they were talking about um, a meeting that was going to take place, like a congress, and it was going to introduce star people. Now, I'm not quite sure if she was staying, saying like there would be people there that could channel star people because they have to borrow a voice box to communicate or whether they're going to show themselves as well. Because I've always had this thing behind me. It'd be lovely if they all started showing themselves like they did in, beside my bed a couple of years ago. It was such a joy and such she was in a beam of light, you know, and um, so lovely. And also looking human, it helped take away that fear so that, you know, they've gone through that um, race, that creation just for that purpose. So I'm wondering if there's something, and I have heard it'll be around two, wait a minute, two, 2023. Mm. So that's a possibility. Oh, Valerie, it's all possible. And we are the creators of our reality. And as we focus and think positively about this stuff, we bring it into our manifestation here on earth. So as we stay in the questioning mind and say, is it true? I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's true. We just evoke confusion energy. But as we stay in our knowing and say, even though we might not see it with our physical senses, I know this is my truth. As you stay in that energy of knowing, you bring it into manifestation into this world. Yeah. Spot on, my darling. (laughs) It's been such a pleasure and an honour to speak with you. You're so gorgeous. Thank you so much for being on the show, Valerie. Thank you, darling. Thank you so much for inviting me. God bless. Wow. (laughs) What a fascinating conversation with Valerie. A little bit all over the shop. Uh, I hope it's not too confusing. I think I've got some editing to do. So I'll try and edit it so it's a little bit more linear so that our linear mind can understand the story that we were trying to get out. Anyway, if you're interested in the story of of the the rock and the Palladians and the creation story, it's in her books. Um, As she kept saying, it's in the books. But uh, I was just chatting with Valerie uh, after the show and we're talking about the Andromeda Galaxy, Andromeda Val, Andromeda stands for Andromeda, uh, and Val, I think it's, you know, her name because it's an aspect of her that's uh, residing in the Andromeda Galaxy as a star person, as we all are because there is no linear time 
when you're outside of three-dimensional consciousness. And so all our lives, including our lives on other star systems, other dimensions, are happening simultaneously. And um, she was saying that the Andromeda galaxy is just massive and that it has many universes inside the galaxy, many suns, many worlds, many forms of consciousness, many, many. It's just too huge for our minds to comprehend. She was saying that in, in years to come, thousands, maybe millions of years to come, that uh, this Milky Way uh, universe will become a part of the Andromeda galaxy. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, how does it help us live our daily lives? <laughs> it's all very fascinating. But how does it help us live our daily lives right now? Uh, the question that my friend Rachel posed, which is a question that I wanted to pose to her about, you know, who, who are we? What are we doing here? And, you know, what are we doing here now? Like, what are we supposed to do now? It wasn't really answered by her, nor was it answered by Al Turinga, only to say, your guide knows that, your higher self knows what you're doing here, tune into that. And uh, that's true. But if you feel you're here to make a difference, then you are here to make a difference. And I think that it's all about the evolution of human consciousness. So what does that mean? It means overcoming the fight that you have inside yourself. So if you're fighting with anyone, whether it is with uh, an, uh, you know, an ex-husband or a family member or an old friend, clean that up. Clean up your own vibration. As lightworkers, we haven't come to earth or light bearers or light weavers we haven't come to earth to engage in the old paradigm of consciousness which is separation consciousness which is the you know the consciousness of the ego that says yours and mine and i'm right and you're wrong we've come to engage in unity consciousness meaning that we can have different opinions but we can work together in this world and feel connected regardless of our ideas thoughts beliefs and opinions so it doesn't mean that because you have connection to your star family or your guides or that you channel exalted wisdom or messages from the stars that you have to feel any different or separate to the rest of the human race that doesn't understand that just because they don't understand it doesn't divide you religion has done a great job on this planet of dividing us my god your god my point of view your point of view and as star beings or light bearers here to help the evolution of human consciousness we're here to live the unity to not feel divided from anyone i remember i did a course in my house years ago probably 15 18 years ago and i was teaching deliberate creation and there were a lot of people there, or a couple of people there, that felt very separate to their family and their friends because they had had an awakening and their family no longer understood them. They didn't understand psychic awareness. They didn't understand channeling. They didn't understand any of this stuff. And so they started to dismiss the people that didn't understand them. And my message to them then and you now is that that's not what we're here to do. We're not here to dismiss people that don't understand us or to fight with people or make people wrong. We're here to feel unified regardless of our opinions, ideas and beliefs. And that unity and love consciousness is such a powerful way that we will expand 
the evolution of consciousness in this world. For when you feel one with everyone, even though they look different to you, they sound different to you, they have different opinions, they can sort of scream at you and call you stupid and call you wrong and call you crazy. When you feel that connection of who they are as source energy, experiencing the forgetfulness of what it is to be human, even in our awakening, there's still a lot we don't remember. It's just, you know, they might have 1% of memory, we might have 2% and there's like 98% of stuff that we don't remember. Uh, so there's a lot of forgetfulness that we're all living under and we're all here together doing the same thing. We're all the extension of source energy. We're all brilliance coming into a dense environment and choosing to forget who we are. And so we can't judge the ones that don't remember because they're God too choosing to forget, as Tabash would say, they're God doing it their way. Uh, so that's what we can all do as light bearers here on earth is to love each other regardless of our beliefs and feel unified. And in that unification of hearts and minds, we will expand the consciousness of this world and move to the next evolutionary step of working together for the betterment of humanity and humankind and the planet and all her creatures and all her beings feel that unification of love and work together for the betterment of life here in this world and that's the best thing you can do and how you do that you can start a podcast you can teach people to cook you know you can write poetry you can sing songs doesn't matter how you do it you can teach you can give birth to star children doesn't really matter how you do it just do it in love just know that you are love. Remember to feel it and remember to be it. Thanks for watching another show on ATP Media. And yes, uh, who's coming into the Inner Sanctum? So Lois, who I've had on the show this year, I asked her to come in, who is teaching us about going back to our aspects that uh, in this life, you know, the inner child who felt divided, who experienced the contrast and then, you know, broke away and that sort of feels alone and un, not understood and, and hurt, connecting to those aspects of ourselves. It can be in this life or it can be in others. I had a client where I was doing that too and she was seeing herself as a child in another life, feeling that that was still uh, affecting her life now. And then bringing, that, bringing those aspects together in love and feeling that unity inside ourselves. So Lois is coming in as our guest teacher this month, month of March into the Inner Sanctum and a lot more beautiful teachers are coming in and of course I'm online every week chatting to you about deliberate creation, who you are as source energy, living a physical world existence and reminding you, I call my sessions reminders from home, reminding you of your power to be deliberate and focus and create on purpose. Much love to you all. Remember to buy the book Awakened by Death. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.